When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller alongside Pat Williams as usual. And take two, we had some te- technical difficulties, but Matt Coronado, once again, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for You're having me. You're still doing well. Absolutely. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> um, we talked about the cold a bit before this, and as you admit, it's not as bad. But we got to ask you, um, your first year in Calgary, how much how nice has it been that you know you made the NHL team off the hop, but then you were reassigned, but knowing that you were gonna be in the same city all year long? Is that a bit of a relief to have off the top? Yeah, it's definitely nice. Um didn't have to move at all. I mean, I'm still living in, in the same building and I'm actually living in the same building as a bunch of my Wrangler teammates, which has been a lot of fun. Um it's been easy to hang out and um I think yeah, it, it's, it definitely makes it easy. I knew the guys from camp, but um, just being able to kind of stay put and and come in the next day and play when I when I did get sent down was nice. So it, it's it was good. Obviously, you know, being reassigned, I'm sure it, was, it came as kind of a gut punch. Um, but alternatively, like when you made the opening night roster, like did it feel like, wow, you had made it? Or did you even know from there that there's a lot of work to be done and it wasn't really a... a an absolute in that sense. Definitely. Um, you got to prove yourself every day. Um, I think I knew going in that, that I would have to play really well to, to stay and um, definitely was, was focused on doing that. But um, yeah, you, you definitely don't take anything for granted. And um, for now, I'm just looking to work hard and, and do everything I can to get back up. You know, Matt, uh, for you know, you, you go from the NHL where you have one role down to the obviously to the Wranglers where there's, you know, you're one of the guys every night. Um, you know, how do you find that adjustment, you know, just in terms of the workload, but also the different styles of play from the NHL to the AHL and, you know, having to kind of go to a more scrambly, kind of more chaotic league? Yeah, it's definitely a different, ga- uh, different game a little bit, but um. I think for me, like, I, I'm just going to try and play my game no matter where I'm playing. Um, I don't want to change too much about what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm always going to work hard. Um, that's a big part of my game. I'm, I like to shoot the puck. I'm going to do that. But um, even if the game the game style is a little different, I'm, I'm not going to try to change too much with what I'm doing. You know, last year at Harvard, you played 34 games. You're already up to 24 games between, uh, you know, the Wranglers and, and the Flames. Uh, how are you handling the workload and uh, you kind of the increased demands of a pro schedule? I think every day I'm getting more and more used to it. Um, I think maybe early um, trying to feel it out, but I, mm-hmm. I feel like at this point I've, I've kind of gotten used to, to playing a lot of games and, Honestly, it's it's a lot of fun, right? Like you, you're not practicing as much, and you're you're just playing. And obviously, the games are the best part. So um, I think it's been that part of it's been fun. 
So before Harvard, you were obviously part of that sh- Chicago Steel program, which at the time, I think we knew it was going to be a powerhouse, but the list of alumni, it really has become that crazy. What was that experience like? And just as a prep to the NCAA game and even just a pro too, right? Cause they, they run it like a pro style there. They do. That organization was, was unbelievable. Um, so lucky that, that I got to, to go through there. Um, like the general manager was was Ryan Hardy when I was there. Uh, Brock Sheehan, the head coach, they do an unbelievable job developing players. I know they're both not really there anymore, but still the guys there are still doing it. Um, with all the skill work we did and, and all the video and just the system that they run there, they do a, a really, really great job. And um, I think a lot of us that played there are really grateful we did, and, and it helped us a ton. As much as the steel have become kind of the creme de la creme of the ushl obviously the national development program is kind of the marquee thing i'm sure as an american growing up that was a goal how much did that kind of light a fire under your bottom you know not being part of that program uh maybe a little like i said though i was i was super grateful to be drafted by the steel and to go in and play there um obviously yeah like you said it, it's something that that every kid probably wants to do is play for the the development program but um, I played a, a year at prep school, um, and then went to the steel and, um, I was definitely, definitely happy with that path. You know, you know, with the steel kind of being on the inside there, seeing how they work on a day-to-day basis, what do you see there that really makes them stand out from, from kind of the competition, you know, the, the kind of what's their secret to, to success? I think there's a lot. I, I think the, the way that they want to play the game is, is probably the most important one. I, they're very heavy on puck possession, which I think um, is obviously fun for for a forward and guys that want to have the puck. But um, it definitely worked out really well for us in both years I was there. But I think the biggest thing that probably differs from other teams was the amount of, of time we spent working on skills. Um, and Adam Nicholas, who's now with uh, the Canadians, was the 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 skills coach back then and uh we'd have maybe two or three times a week like a 30 minute or 45 minute skill skate um aside from practice where we just work on changing the angle on your shot one timers uh shooting shooting pucks this way that way catching bad passes like all that stuff and i i think it it really helped a lot of guys like you look at a ton of players that went in there and, and maybe played two years there um, and look at the how much better they got over those two years. Um, and that's a, a huge credit to the organization. They they really did an unbelievable job. I can't can't say that enough. Obviously, you know, having your initial stint start the way it did, it wasn't like it was a bad thing, but the problem was obviously you weren't, you know, getting as much ice time as you'd want to have in these formative years and whatnot were there moments in the NHL where you were like, cause I'm sure it was one of the first times in your career you weren't really producing was, was that kind of a, a first for you and, and sort of squeezing your stick and being frustrated? What was that process like? Um, I don't think I was getting really frustrated. I think at the end of the day, like we, we weren't really winning games. So I think that was, that was the frustrating part. Um, so I was still just trying to do whatever I could to, to help the team win. Um, but definitely um, makes things harder when, when the team's not winning. And I think that's, that's something that made it 
kind of easier too for me when I did come down was this team was already doing so well. Um, so I kind of just stepped into a winning environment and um, I've kind of just been trying to help move that along. But um, it was definitely tough to, to start um, with the team not doing so well. Absolutely. And just one more for me on that. Um, Brett Sutter, big part of that Wranglers group. He's like Mr. AHL. This guy's been around for a long time in the American League and, and helping young prospects along. What could you say about just the leadership he has and the impact he's got in your room? He's unbelievable. Um, such a great captain, such a great person. Um, I actually spent a little time time in Calgary this summer uh, working out here. So I, I was spent a good amount of time with him. So I knew him a little bit, um, but just for, from being here, he's been unbelievable. Um, makes it fun to be at the rink every day. And, and like you said, he helps a lot um, with young guys coming in, including myself, um, just kind of showing the way. Uh, so it's been awesome to, to play with him. You know, just last thing for me, um, your you're in Calgary, Canadian market, kind of your first time really experiencing that up close. What is that that whole experience like now seeing it, you know, from the inside there? Yeah, it's fun. Uh, people care a lot, which which is awesome. Um, there's, there's great fans here. Um, they know a lot about the game. Um, they're smart. So um, I think when, when your team's doing well, uh, there's really nothing better than, than having a fan base like that. And uh, last question before we go, I, I, a little birdie told me the number 27 has a bit of significance to you uh, when you wore it. What's the, the backstory behind that? Um, well, my dad wore it growing up. He played lacrosse in school, so he wore it, he wore it there. Um, my little brother wears it now. Um but nothing too crazy. I think my dad, my dad first wore it because he liked John Tonelli. Okay. Um, when he was on the Islanders, so that's, I guess you could say that's why I wear it. But I, I kind of more just wear it because of my dad. I like that good stuff. Um, all right, Matt. Thank you for joining us, man. We really appreciate it, and best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks for having me, guys. Take Thanks. care, man. Thanks to Matt Coronado for coming on. Nice to hear from him and catch up and. Just, you know, it's interesting because with the Wranglers, the Jets are in another situation like that too, um, or the Moose rather, where you're sent down, but you're really just going across the hallway. Like okay, the days of you going from St. John's to Winnipeg or whatever it may be are kind of over. So it's obviously a change in, in you know, lifestyle and day to day, but it, it's it's much different now in terms of the reassignments when they're so close. Yeah. You think like a couple of years ago, they had to go down to Stockton. So you're going to, you know, to another country. Right. You know, it's a long flight. You know, you're, you're, they would fly into like Sacramento or San Francisco and they drive, drive to style. Like now, like you said, you just walk across the hallway. He, you know, in his case, he lives in the same building. You know, his teammates live there. So like, you know, just from like if you're trying to streamline and, and ease things for, for a young player, I mean, it, it's an ideal setup. Absolutely. Now we need to talk about the the new Dustin Wolf, per se, the, the big shot goalie ripping up the HL, and that's Jesper Wallstadt. We've talked about him quite a bit throughout our two seasons of doing this, but he just named HL Player of the Week for the second time this season. It's been an interesting, you know, sort of timing because if you look at it, you know, Minnesota's goaltending hasn't been great this year. Um, and, of course, everyone's going to want to 
bring him up right away. But we have to mention Jesper Wallstadt, 13 games, 939 save percentage, just taking a massive leap forward from last year, which was kind of an adjustment year. It's been a big statement so far. Yeah, you know, like, you know, kind of an encore, right? Like, you know, the first year, obviously very encouraging. You know, he was a top prospect, uh, you know, member, you know, that, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs set up last year, you know, for the first time. And, you know, like you kind of wonder like, all right, well, where, where does he go from there? Right. Well, he, he went from really good now last year to now he's dominant. Like now he's winning games on his own. Like, I saw both of those games this past weekend against Colorado and he was, you know, 40 plus saves each night. Just fantastic. I mean, like that's a team, you know, that he was facing with some real, real high end offensive talent. And, you know, he, he shut them down. Like he carried that team and that's exactly what, especially I think at this level you need that first couple months is a goalie to kind of win you some games because, you know, there, there's so many moving parts at this level, just getting, getting your, you know, your systems in place, your roster in place, a new head coach in Iowa, obviously with Brett McLean. So, you know, you know, Wallstead has just been fantastic. I think you make a good point with everything going on in Minnesota that, you know, there is going to be some of that clamor now getting louder and louder. Okay. Like, you know, bring him up now. I think, you know, some goalies you'd be worried that they're hearing that. Uh, I think with Wallstead, you're very mature. Um, he's got a great head on his shoulders. So I think he'll be able to block that, that noise out, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, first round pick obviously. And, um, a player, I think that's, that's more than meeting everything that, that, uh, Minnesota would have hoped for. If you had to predict right now, will he play in an NHL game this year? Yeah, I think he'll probably, you know, like just even, you know, injury situation or, you know, guys out for, you know, let's say, you know, a game or two, you know, like, I mean, you have Marc-Andre Fleury, he's, you know, he's what, going to be 39 years old soon. You know, there's a lot of mileage on him. So, you know, at some point, you know, you need a break. I mean, I very few NHL teams are able to go through, you know, with only two goalies all year. So I, I think he'll get a game here and there. Um, I guess if the season went really off uh, off track for, for, for Minnesota, where maybe they become a seller at the deadline and you want to get a longer look at them late, late March or April. Yeah, you might want to give them a look. I think, you know, there's – the flip side of that, like if I was in a playoff race, you may want him to go through that experience instead, you know, kind of putting a team on his back. Uh, so I think, you know, that will be something that has to kind of unfold. But uh, if, if you're Minnesota, it's a good position to be in. Like either way, um, you're, you you just have a future number one goalie um, down there. And he's, he's, he's more than uh, I'd say he's ahead of schedule, if anything, um, you know, for, for where you'd want him to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, and some other news uh, that happened recently, Riker Evans recalled by the Seattle Kraken. It's been, you know, another strong season for Evans, who had a spectacular rookie season last year. And now, you know, his offensive production, again, hasn't spiked. But with Riker Evans, it's a lot more than just the offense. Pat, what have you seen from Riker Evans this year in Coachella Valley? Yeah, like for him, 
I'm not really looking for him to come in and put up great numbers. I mean, we know he can do that. He did that last year. I mean, that was obviously a stacked team uh, with Coachella Valley. I don't think they have quite the same potency this year, you know, uh, but that's okay. Like I want to see him do all the other parts of the game, like round out things defensively. Uh, he was fantastic last year uh, in the Carter Cup playoff run all the way to game seven of the final. And, um, you know, I think he, he really showed that like he could handle that wear and tear. Like, you know, there was, I think some early on, maybe especially early in his junior career, maybe some concerns, you know, could he ha- handle that? That's, you know, that wear and tear that, a, you know, a number one defenseman has to go through. I mean, nobody questions his skill level. Uh, it's just that, but like he more than showed that he could handle that. And like, you know, coming that back uh, this year, I think kind of for a second go around with, with Coachella Valley, um, Looks great, and uh, this is a well-deserved uh, call-up. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, who knows where this goes, but, you know, there have been players where you think maybe, okay, this is going to be a quick call-up, and they go up there and they really impress and they never come back. And that's always the message, right? Like coaches will give a player, like, go up there and, and show your stuff. And, you know, I think uh, it's, it's kind of exciting now to see, uh, see what he might be able to do up uh, at the NHL level. According to Instat data, Evans is playing 1844 a night, even strength minutes. That's second of all players. And then last year he was playing 1743. And that's a pretty massive jump there. You're seeing mm-hmm. first pairing usage both years, but this year he's a true bona fide number one. It's also interesting too, because as you mentioned, Coachella Valley isn't as you know potent, good word you're saying there, um, of a team this year in terms of personnel. Still, you know, they're good, but last year they were a wagon. Yeah. It's probably a benefit too that they don't have as stacked of a blue line this year to kind of give Evans that runway to be the guy, I would say. No? I, I would agree, yeah. You know, like his second year, you want to really see him. Oh, like Wall Street, you want to see him make that jump. Obviously, different positions, but uh, different types of roles. But, yeah, you want to see him become the guy, right? And uh, he's done that. And, um, you know, I think now now the adjustment, I think, for any young player that gets called up is – so, yeah, you're playing 18-plus minutes at the AHL level. Now you're maybe going up to the NHL and – that, that number might be cut in half, right? You know, like maybe you're a third pairing and, you know, so you have to kind of find a, you know, way to contribute, you know, in a different way, different role. I think that's something that can trip up uh, young players. Um, you know, it, obviously it's a jump in, you know, play as well, you know, the caliber of competition, but, uh, you know, those are all the things that just any young player has to go through, right? It's all just, you know, part and parcel of, of making that transition. But, I, you know, he's, he's shown that he can do it. Like, He's a quick learner. Like he came up obviously last uh, year as a rookie out of, the, out of the dub and, you know, like he looked right at home um, pretty much immediately. And so um, like he's, he's a, he's got a good head on his shoulder. So he's a quick learn. Uh, so I think, um, I think he'll be able to handle this, this adjustment going up to Seattle. Good stuff, Pat. Uh, let's move on to our team of the week, the Arizona Coyotes and the prospects playing with the Tucson Roadrunners in particular, starting out with Dylan Gunther, first-round pick in the 2021 draft, played half of last season with Arizona, the other half with the Seattle Thunderbirds. It's his first AHL season. He has 17 points in his first 20 games. Yeah, you know, like I feel like so many of those high-end, like top-10-type picks, where we're seeing them now, they, they get some time at the at the NHL level early on, and then they go back to junior for, 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 for worlds and, you know, for the second half of the season. And, you know, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, 
real, uh, I think, kind of an ideal season, right? Like you got 33 games in at the NHL level. So that's not just kind of a taste. That's, that's a good, that's a good run. Um, so, you know, you kind of really got to see, you know, a wide spectrum of his game. And then, you know, obviously goes there, wins a goal with Canada um, and goes, um, you know, to Seattle uh, in the dub and they go all the way um, to the Memorial Cup. And, you know, he's, he, he's the guy, right? Like he, he was fantastic in the playoffs uh, production wise. And, you know, he got, you know, a great long run and, um, so, he, I, you know, I, I like that he was able to kind of do a little bit of everything last year, you know, kind of be a, a player at the NHL level, finding his footing, but then going back to kind of a more familiar, um, you know, place uh, uh, and and role and going there and um, coming in and just being a force. And then, you know, this year coming into Tucson, I think this is a good sign for, for the Coyotes overall that they're not rushing these players, right? Like I think in the past you would have seen these players – pushed up to the NHL, you know, maybe before they're ready, you know, that now, like, you know, last year, fine, give them a taste of it. But now this year, now that he's eligible for full time at the NHL level, have him go down there and, uh, you know, really show his stuff there. And again, be the guy, like, you know, I think the worst thing for a young players to kind of sit up there in the NHL, you're in out of the lineup, you know, maybe you're playing fourth line minutes. So you're kind of, your confidence is up and down. Like there's something to be said for just going down to the AHL and just, really getting to, to, to run, you know, with your game a little bit. And, uh, you know, like I'm encouraged uh, seeing what he, what he'll be able to do long-term, right? Like, you know, where does this go? Obviously I think the Coyotes are maybe playing a little bit um, above what people expected, but, um, you know, um, you know, I think that that lessens some of that pressure, you know, the Brady ninth overall pick up to the NHL level right away. Now you, you have it, you can be a little bit more patient with him and let him, let him kind of do his thing down down in Tucson and then you know reevaluate as, as things unfold. Josh Doan, um, of course, son of Shane Doan, legendary coyote. He's you know, I think there's an adjustment period you have to recognize, but last year he came in and it happens all the time. Full of energy, these kids coming from college, they played a shorter season, they come to the pro game, the guys are gassed. He had a bit of a jump to him, but this year I think it's been a bit of a slower start. 11 points in 20 games. And yeah, just, I think it, he's struggling uh, at five on five in particular, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, not surprising, right? Like, you I mean, you obviously have, you know, kind of that, that bit, those bevy of stats, but uh, Matt just kind of up, you know, what I've seen, like, but you know, I think he is getting production. So I, I, I've said this before. I love that for a young player that, you know, maybe you're not getting all the other parts of your game right away, but you are getting some of that, that, uh, that reward, uh, you know, I think what you don't want to see is a young player, you know, like whether or not it's the best barometer, young players, I think if they're not producing, especially a guy, you know, who's kind of bread and butter is, you know, the offensive side of the game. Uh, I think that can start to wear on them mentally and, and confidence wise. So, you know, while the rest of his game kind of like still comes together, like if he can at least produce some offensively, I think I think that's good news for him. Absolutely. Like I will say there, there's, there's definitely something there. You know, there's a player that goes net front is able to generate attempts. I think that it's just one of those things where, you know, putting it all together, he has to learn a different way in doing that at the pro level that he has in the past. And, and that's kind of what he's sort of in the middle of right now, I would say in, in Tucson as a whole. Um, the last one we'll get to uh, the coyotes is Victor Soderstrom. Uh, you know, top uh, first round pick he has been in the system for quite a bit now. Um, but he's still in the AHL. 
all these years later. 11th overall pick in the 2019 draft. What's what's the deal with this situation, Pat? Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? Like, I mean, he's only 22. It feels like he's been around forever, and like he started off during the pandemic year um, with Tucson. So, like, I think that's sort of you know in your head, you know, elongates everything. But uh, you know, like like he got 30 games in with the Coyotes last year. You know, you kind of were thinking, okay, maybe he's he's ready to make that jump. Um, on a full-time basis, and then he finds himself back, back at the AHL level. So I think, you know, I, I you know, again, 22 years old. If he was good enough to be a first, you know, round pick, 11th overall, like you know, there's obviously something in his game that you like to see. I mean, he he, he did have experience over the Swedish Hockey League coming over. So uh, for one reason or another, I can't quite put a finger on it though. That it just hasn't quite come together. You know, for him, kind of on a consistent basis. For sure. Uh, prospect of the week. We have to name him second time this year. Logan Stankoven, leading scorer in the AHL right now. Absolutely ripping it up alongside Maverick Bork, I should say, his teammate. But Logan Stankoven, in my opinion, is one of those cases where the Dallas Stars have got the next poster child for overlooked because of his size and his size alone, and you regret it. Think Braden Point. Think Alex Debrinkat. Logan Stankoven, like this guy, in my opinion, could be, whether it's the right decision or not, he could be in an NHL lineup for a lot of, you know, bottom feeder teams right now. 26 points in 19 games with the Texas Stars. 20 years old, as I said, rookie, leading the league in scoring. I can't remember the last time we've seen that happen, uh, you know, especially a quarter way through the season. Why is your prospect of the week, Pat? Yeah, well, you know, like it's usually those guys – they don't stick around long enough to leave the league to score when they're playing that well. But like, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you said, like, you know, whereas with a lot of other NHL clubs, he probably would have been called up. He's with the Dallas stars. He's in their system. Same thing with Maverick Bork. Uh, they're in a position where obviously not only are they, they a team that's, you know, looking to do some real damage uh, this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, standings wise, playoff wise, uh, but they're, they're not, they're not in a position where, again, they have to rush a player. Like um, they put themselves in a great uh, position of luxury by, by you know, having such a deep lineup up top that uh, they can really take their time. And, and that's more or less been kind of the, their mo anyway, right? Like Thomas Hartley, we discussed last totally. year. Totally. Like, you know, a guy that's you know they were willing to give him extra time in Texas, really kind of let him uh, almost deconstruct and then rebuild his game. Um, so a guy like Stan Coven. Um, Certainly, I mean, you have to be. I think if you're you're Dallas, you have to be thrilled with the production now. Like he's going to get a great education though in Texas with Neil Graham there as the head coach. I mean, great tactical coach, uh, great development coach, uh, somebody that's really been uh, doing a fantastic job. I think a little bit underrated. Uh, you don't hear his name pop up so much um, in terms of like kind of the hot coaching candidates, but a guy that's you know if you look kind of at, at who he sent up to uh, to Dallas the last couple of years. Um, pretty impressive list. Uh, so, I mean, I love where Stan Coven is, you know, obviously offensively, but also just in terms of what he's going to be getting from an educational standpoint in Texas. That's a team in first place in Central. Every looks every bit like a team that can go um, far, if not all the way in the playoffs. So, uh, it's going to be an awesome opportunity for Stan Coven. I mean, like, you know, big year last year, and, you know, the, WHL obviously, and now you know, uh, able to duplicate it and then some. Uh, yeah, at this level. I almost wonder if he's a guy that will get a game strictly because 
this all depends on how Dallas is the trail end of the regular season. Like if they're fighting for um, something to do with the standings or their playoff matchup. But I wonder if they give him some sort of stretch run, just in the sense of, okay, if this guy, if this guy could be a top nine piece for us next year, we want to see what we have in him. Obviously the playoff run this year takes precedent, but again, you know, what, what Lowen St. Oven is doing now and just the player he is, it's, it's again, it's another example of, yeah, he's five foot eight, but he doesn't play five foot eight and he's a smart player. And those kind of things, I think as much as the game of hockey is becoming more receptive to those ideologies, you still see it happen. Now, granted he was drafted in the COVID year, so it's tough. That's a hard draft to gauge in so many reasons. And the thought process you were going through and the small sample sizes, whatever it may be, because you think about it with him, they're looking at a five foot eight kid and they're looking at a 17 year old year. Yeah, basically. Right. Where he's probably looking even more small on stature. So it's a hard thing to project, but I, I love the player. I'm sure we'll be mentioning him a lot throughout the season. I, you know, I think we should have him on one time. I, I think it's, it's a really good story and a rare circumstance because guys like this, I'm telling you folks, they don't stay in the AHL usually that long, but he's going to no. be here for the foreseeable future. And he even knows it, I think. And uh, didn't you talk to him for a piece? Or was that, I think it was the Texas broadcaster that did. Yeah. And I talked to Maverick Bork, but it's kind of the same, the same story. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's know pretty clear. I think it was made pretty clear to them that, yeah, um, we're in no hurry to bring you along. That's just the Dallas stars way. And um, we have obviously a stacked lineup up top. So, you know, kind of get comfortable in Texas, uh, really kind of, buy into what they're doing there, uh, make that your team. And Hey, you know what? Maybe late in the year, if you want to, you know, a little bit of a reward for, for a great year, like you, you throw them a game or two and, you know, obviously in, in, by doing so, you also get, you know, kind of get to you know, see them up top and see what they can do and how they handle it. But, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not a bad idea to give players rewards like that, you know, for a job well done, but uh, yeah, no, certainly I think for, for him, um, you know, it's wow. Like it's been a while. I have to say, you know, since I saw a player really just come in, you know, especially a guy like, you know, he's come in like, you know, as a second round pick, uh, but lots of guys come in as second round picks who, who had lots of ju- junior success and, and, and they don't come in and rip up the league. Like, like he has. So um, that uh, Texas team is, is fun to watch uh, with him and Bork and, you know, a whole bunch of other uh, good players and, um, good vets. Uh, they have a little bit of everything and uh, it's going to be fun to really see where he goes this year. For sure. All right, before we sign off for this show, let's get to around the eight, starting with Dustin Wolf, Pat. Dustin Wolf, yeah. So with uh, Jacob Markstrom's uh, injury uh, this week, uh, Dustin Wolf uh, is uh, not only uh, called up, but uh, got some action um, on Tuesday nights uh, with the Calgary Flames. Uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting just to see him and, and um, you know kind of that, that tandem there you know for a little bit. Obviously the Flames it's been you know hasn't been the easiest year, right? Like I think uh, to some extent they're finding their way a little bit, but um, it's obviously a rough start, you know, all in all. And um, but uh, you know he had a little bit of a call up earlier um, on the road now, kind of getting his. Uh, shot, you know, at home and uh, we'll see where this goes with him. But, uh, you know, we, we said, I mean, we've, we've kind of, you know, examined this thing, you know, to within an inch of its life, but uh, not really sure there's much left for him to do in the AHL. Like when you look at that resume, I mean, other than, you know, I guess winning the Calder cup, that's maybe the last thing left undone. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's time for him to really, let's see what he has and give him a run at the NHL level and, and, and see, 
um, see exactly where he stands, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, his progression. So that's the first thing, uh, uh, you know, this week. Um, uh, Arbor, Jack Guy, uh, sent down to Laval, uh, coming back off an injury. Um, I guess my only advice to opposing AHL forwards, if you're not familiar with him, is keep your head up. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's a lot to handle, right? Like, you know, and like, uh, the AHL can kind of be, you know, a lead where guys still run around a little bit. Um, you know, so he's, uh, he should be right at home. Laval's obviously been kind of a, uh, you know, a real, we've had a real difficult time, you know, bringing a lot of young prospects in. So, uh, he should help things a little bit, uh, but, uh, you know, I think for, for the Rocket, he'll give them a good boost. Uh, and give some opposing players some knuckles in the face. Yeah, so they, they have Belleville this week and then uh, back-to-back against Hartford. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a lot uh, for, for the for the B-Sands and the Wolfpack crowd to deal with early on. So, uh, next thing, Toronto, Cameron Gons, long-time vet in this league. Uh, he's kind of been all over the place. Um, has NHL experience, you know, quite a bit as well. Um Played his uh, junior career with uh, Mississauga uh, back uh, about 10-plus years ago. Now he's kind of come full circle. He uh, signed a PTO with the Marlies. Uh, good good, good experience for them. Uh, obviously, they brought in Kiefer Bellows earlier this year as well. So they're, they're kind of uh, uh, ticking the box there in terms of, you know, bringing some guys in, you, you know, using some of that, uh, those resources you have, obviously, with the Leafs and the Marlies, uh, bringing some help. So, uh, that'll help, that'll be, I think, be a big boost for the, for their blue line. Uh, last thing, uh, Paul Mara, uh, NHL veteran, going into Hartford as an assistant coach, obviously, uh, with uh, Chris Knobloch having moved on to the Edmonton Oilers. Steve Smith, who was the assistant, uh, took over as the interim head, so they needed uh, somebody to fill in. Uh, so Mara, he had been a development coach. Uh, he's kind of stepped uh, uh, in, into Hartford now as a full-time assistant. So, uh, the Wolfpack, uh, kind of uh, a team caught in the middle of a lot of uh, changes, not even involving them. Now they, uh, they they square things away for themselves. Absolutely good stuff. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's it for today's show. We'll be sure to catch you next week with all the latest in the AHL. Till then, take care.